Cyril. What a beauty! G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. My name is Lek Dog, and today I am joined by Damo. How are you? Oh, it's good to be here, Lek. How are you, mate? Fantastic, fantastic. And Patch, you beautiful bastard, how are you? G'day, I'm good. What is crack-a-lackin? Mate, Jock Reynolds' content is firing on all cylinders. Coming out Your article too. went up today, Patch, at time of recording on the uh, Herald Sun site. It did. It did with uh, with some rumors and gossip and whispers that uh, no doubt will be out of date in three days because it's moving so quickly right now, so quickly. Damo, you had uh, an art- another article on the Herald Sun side as well, actually. Yep, wrote it with you and Azza. It was um, just secrets to Supercoach success. I think that's what it was billed as, even though uh, it was supposed to be a follow up to Baron and Clarkie's article that they wrote. Um, a little while ago, but uh, we kind of went in a different direction and it was okay. It, it, it worked. It worked, it worked. And for those listening to this podcast, my article, the 11 KFC Supercoach Commandments, should be out but at the time of publication. So that's one of my favorite things to do each and every year. And top of that, we've had top five articles. We've had good vibe, bad vibe. We've got it all on jockreynolds.com.au. And before we start the pod, I just wanted to shout out supercoachchampion.com. They're not sponsoring this. They just do a hell of a lot of good stuff. They have sent us rings over the years. They're a website where you can go. You, I think it's $99 for most of their products. You get yourself an AFL, NRL, BBL, AFL Fantasy, Supercoach, custom-made ring for your league. Once again, they're not sponsors, but if you tell them we sent you only good things can happen, and they'll keep sending us cool stuff. Gentlemen, Damo, kick things off. Let's get into the discussion for today. Yeah, so I figured we'd go line by line uh, and talk about just basically popular players, how team structures could potentially look, um, players we're looking for or looking out for in the preseason games, rookies that appear to be putting their hands up, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so um, I was thinking we could start in the forward line, and we'll oh, no. and, and we'll start with the highest owned forward player, which is Stephen Caniglio. All right, well, Stephen Caniglioog. I think last year I was um, kind of against picking him, or before the prices and stuff dropped, and then he dropped. $261,300, mid-forward eligible, and I thought, gee whiz, that man is getting locked straight into my team. 
Pretty simple for me, gentlemen. He's a guy who in the past has averaged 90 plus, I think for like six seasons in a row, he averaged 90 plus. Just seems like a no-brainer to me. Yes, there's question marks over what role he's going to play. Maybe he's going to play forward. But at 260K, he doesn't need to do a lot to be a fantastic starting selection. And he has done it all before for us. I love this selection. And at this point, he's in so many teams. Who cares if he burns us? And some people will be picking him thinking that he could possibly be a keeper as well because he has he has the tools to average 105 plus, which is what people I think are looking for now with the dual position, um, dual position being able to be awarded during the season. But even if he doesn't reach keeper status, he only needs to average what he's at what his next lowest average is, which was 75 in his debut season to make that 150K that we'd look for in most cash cows. And one thing to consider as well, which I don't think we talk about enough when we're talking about starting teams, if Stephen Ganigliog comes out and averages 75 for the first 10 weeks and we've got him on field, that's 750 points we've got on field, in our total score, helping our rank, as opposed to like, Patch, I don't know, like a Sam, like a Levi Charlie Kasbold. Parker or something on coming on from the the bench or a Levi Casbolt. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you you know he's a mature body and he's unlikely to to have to you know to have a rest, to have a spell, or he surely will not be the sub in any games as well, which is something we still need to be concerned about a little bit. So I think, yeah, I think he's just a very safe option. I'd There's, say he's the he's the captain. He can't be the sub, but it's Leon Cameron, and Leon Cameron has dropped him. So I. I I'm not going to even. <laughs> and I just think for the sake of an extra, you're spending 130K more than just getting a rookie. He's in 65% of teams. Like if it all goes to hell, we're all in it together. So I think that kind of takes away some of the risk. Next highest owned is Elijah Hollins at the Suns. I feel like he's a no-brainer if he's selected in round one. Agreed. Agreed. He's got a teammate I'm more interested in, by the way, Damo more interested in you say yeah let's talk about him let's talk about joel jeffrey he's only in one percent of teams demo i don't understand it so he's only a couple so he's only a couple thousand more than a basement priced rookie and Stuart jew was talking about him glowingly when talking about how the sun's forward line may come together with ben king out of the team he's had a great the the term is he's had an eye-catching preseason. i don't no, I assume eye-catching is good. And this is a guy that that took that kicked nine goals from 16 marks in the VFL before he made his debut. If he can translate that into AFL, at, he's going to be great. At 127K, I feel like he's not getting enough love. Yeah, I think for me, Damo and Patch... Like he was awful in his last game, negative one against Sydney. He wasn't much better in the other three games he played last year. But the fact that he played is encouraging to me. And at the moment, I mean, we've got plenty of cheap options in the forward line, but if you're looking for rookie-priced options in the forward line, one that started to play senior football last year and has had a, an encouraging preseason is definitely a guy I'm going to look at, especially at his price. Yeah, and with the void of significance from Ben King going down as well, as much as you hate to see it, there is a role there, and he won't fill it like for like. But I think they'll they'll look to his his jumping to uh, to help. 
We'll move down the list again. Uh, fifty Owned by 50.9%, Josh Dunkley. Now, Seeker had him as his avoid in his original pocket profile. Pocket profile. By the way, the pocket profiles have been updated with the very early ones. I went through them last night and contacted the people who wrote them and asked for amendments. Some of them weren't amended and some of them were. You'll see, actually see the amendments marked on in the original posting, so make sure you check them out. Josh Dunkley is no longer an avoid for Seeker. He feels like he could actually perhaps be the only lockable forward premium now. What a turnaround. Wowee. Well, the the thing about that is, Patch, because I, I was not big on selecting Josh Dunkley. I'm definitely going to watch him closely in the uh, in the preseason. Is you look at all the other forwards, and aside from, you know, m- my boy Tom Hawkins, from last year, there's not a lot of, premiums who uh, have had a, either had a clean run this preseason or have got much uh, guarantees to score very well. No, not at all. And I think that's a very good point. And I think, yeah, this is worth discussing just generally the, the you know, the top top tier mids that were uh, forwards rather that we're looking for, um, you know, going through them. There's not, I'm not getting a lot of confidence and it's at the stage where Jade Gresham is my F1, which I did for a silly tweet and just haven't changed it because I don't like any of the really good forwards. Is that bad? <laughs> I mean, it's obviously bad, but like just so few of them aside from Hawkins are standing out to me. I feel, I, it feels like we're getting less and less forwards that we can rely upon every single year. And it's becoming the line where you kind of have to experiment and, take a gamble on a couple of mid prices and look at some people coming back from injury and maybe pay a little bit more for players who didn't have a great previous season who are close to rookie price. You know, it's at the point where the forward line is basically a garbage bin and you're hoping that you can find points in it. But when, when you say a couple of mid prices, does that mean six? For those, for those that don't, uh, don't they're not on the stupid bird app. My current forward line is Jade Gresham, Cam Rayner, Kadean Coleman, Stephen Gnigliog, Charlie Kernow, and Bailey Williams. So all between 200 and 300K, and I don't hate it, and I hate that I don't hate it. And, you know, looking at, you, you go through the list, Dunkley we've spoken about in a previous pod, and he's up in the pocket profile. Mitch Duncan, injured, Tim Taranto, apparently playing forward, Tom Hawkins, we like Jake Stringer is injured. Dustin Martin is injured. Chad Wingard is best not spoken about. Toby Green will be suspended for the first five or six weeks. Charlie Dixon is injured. Ben McAvoy is old. Adam Trelaw, I guess, is good. And then you're still you're dropping away there. You're you're into the four fifties and the the Dugowies and Heaney's and Zach Bailey's and Tyron Thomas's and the the guys that are not a lock by any stretch of the imagination. There are definitely some players in that range, though, that are interesting and probably decent starting picks if you see their role in the preseason. So I guess we go through those guys. You've already said Zach Bailey. Chris Fagan has come out and said he will be looking to give Zach Bailey and Cam Rayner um, opportunities to play full-time mid this season, which means that Jared Lyons and Lockie Neal will spend times in other positions. He initially said Lockie Neal would spend time forward, but then backtracked fairly quickly and said actually the wing. So I think that Jared Lyons is the one that's going to take a hit from those guys coming into the midfield. Um, 
but we'll talk about the midfield later on in the podcast. So we'll just talk about Zach Bailey. Is Zach Bailey in either of your guys' teams at the moment? Nope. He's currently in my team, tentatively. He had an eight-game patch in the middle of last year where he averaged 96. The the, the, the thing that uh, is stopping me from absolutely locking him, he averaged 84.5 last year. He's priced at $459,900. The thing that's stopping me is, and you'll see this in the 11 commandments, 11 Supercoach commandments, is I want to pick value picks uh, of who over breakout picks. So I want to pick guys who have fallen in price for various reasons, whether it's injury or, you know, whatever it is, rather than going for the upside of like a Zach Bailey. So I'm counting on him to break out and increase on his average of 84.5 last year by playing more mid-time. I'm counting on that. Whereas I could just go Stephen Ganigliog and I reckon his floor is pretty close to what... Zach Bailey's probably going to deliver and he's 200k cheaper and he's done it before. So that's the only thing that uh, hasn't locked him in. But he, at the moment, he is my F1. Is there merit in uh, picking someone like a Zach Bailey with the idea that at worst he could do as he, he could do like his Lions teammate in Lincoln McCarthy and be a top 20 forward just by literally playing? Well, yeah, Damo, that's... That's that is one of the the uh, the moves that we can we can look at, and the fact is that of the available forwards, he was the fifth ranked of the available forwards this year. He is the fifth ranked by total points from last year, just because he plays a lot of footy, and that's a winning play. And it goes for my F two as well, who we can talk about it in Taron Thomas, literally identical uh, prices, basically literally identical situations. Both played a lot of footy last year. Both I'm looking at as potential breakouts, but even if they don't, as you've pointed out, Damo, if they can deliver what they delivered last year, they're they're probably top 10 forwards or or top 15 forwards. Well, Taron Thomas, um, Azza is quite bullish on Taron Thomas and even put that table in that pocket profile showing that he he outranks the likes of Nat Fife and Dustin Martin if you extrapolate their first if you extrapolate their first 50 games out to a hundred percent time on ground. So he's locked Taron Thomas in and it probably comes with him being a North Melbourne supporter that there may be a little bit of bias in there, but I mean, looking at it and hearing everything from the North Melbourne intra clubs, he may be someone that we have to look at because he was one of the best options. Yeah, I really, really like Tyron Thomas. I think he's going to be very, very good. Whether or not that's good enough to be locked into, you know, a top top eight, top ten um, forward for the year, or just that he's a has a brilliant season and it doesn't translate as much into stats is the thing that's kind of making me hold off just that little bit. Um, but gosh, I, I love him as a selection and you know, if it weren't for that that concern over how much mid time he gets, because despite being a truly terrible side at the moment. North Melbourne still have, um, you know, Jai Simpkin, um, Hugh Greenwood, um, Tom Powell, Jed Anderson will come back, it sounds like. Um, you've got Will Phillips. You've got Jason Horn francis You know, they're all going to run through there. And there's just, you know, I don't know if he gets the minutes to justify 
that 450k price tag maybe if he was you know 50k cheaper 100k cheaper you'd be you know i'd be all in but it's just i don't know you'd want him to be a keeper at that price and i'm think he's just on the fringe and i'm just not i want to watch him and then maybe jump on after two weeks well you've done that to me again patch because i had him in my team you said essentially the same thing when we were reviewing the north melbourne pocket profile i took him out of my team i talked myself back into him and now i'm going to take him out of my team again i just (laughs) he needs what i need him to do in the preseason is just dominate the two practice matches they play demo yeah and he probably sits in the same basket as someone else that's been dividing people, and that's Zach Butters. It, fi- it, 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 it feels like most people are tossing up between those two players with Zach Bailey kind of on the outside or sort of... Actually, I would uh, let's say those three players, people are probably only want to pick one of them. Um, and at the moment, Zach Butters is in my team. He's, he scored like 98 points in two and a half quarters before getting hit, before getting in, injured last season and then came back and never quite was his, never quite was himself because there was other injury issues that arose throughout the season but by all reports he is going to be a full-time midfielder for the power this season and and he attended pretty much every center bounce during their intra club the other day so i've seen no reason to remove him from my team and i enjoyed owning him for the five or six rounds that I had him last season, just because he could be on 30 points for like half a game and then score 60 points in one quarter. So he has the scoring power to just be one of those players that can impact the game quickly. And I guess Taron Thomas and Zach Bailey fall into that same category as players who can impact the game quickly and, and gain points quickly. And so but you can only really pick one of these players comfortably. If you pick two, then there's going to be games where they, where both players score about 50 points between them. That's, well, that's the talk, risk, isn't it? That's coward talk. Give me four of them. Give me Isaac Haney for good measure. I'd, I'd rather save that money and spend it elsewhere rather than, you know, go with, you know, some of the premium guys we've just spoken about who have, you know, injury interrupted pre-seasons. But that, I mean, that's just me and I'm living life on the edge at the moment. I think the worst thing about your forward line patch is I looked at it and I thought every single one of those players were decent picks. I just didn't want to pick all of them all at once. So Again, coward talk, coward talk, Damo. Let's talk about a few rookies now. Um, Will Kelly is in 41% of teams. You talk to a Collingwood person and they don't think Will Kelly's going to be anywhere near that round one team. So he's in far too many teams. Also defense eligible as well. Uh, Josh Rochelle, it seems like he's going to be a lock in that Adelaide Crows team. 184K. I, I've i picked him. I didn't want to pick him, but you got to pick the rookies that, that line up. You do. And I think as I've said, or as I said during the Adelaide po- uh, pocket profile review, you know, he only needs a couple of games and, and suddenly he's he's jumping up there and he's got that X factor that he can do that. So I'm I'm pretty comfortable paying that extra little bit, knowing that they're gonna give him a good run. He'll get, you know, the occasional you know, run through the midfield for half a quarter. I, I think he's a really good pick. Um and you know, I would be very, very comfortable starting him. Yeah, Rochelle, Horn Francis, Dacos. It's about it's close to six hundred K you're spending five fifty K, but I think it's worth it. I think you just got to pick the good rookies, the best rookies this year. And these are three guys we've identified that are going to play senior footy. They're going to get 
more opportunities than other rookies might. And they, if they have a bad game, I reckon these guys are less likely to be dropped than other rookies. And I think that's important. I think just having them available and playing, even if they're not scoring amazingly, is provides us with more value than, you know, a 123K rookie who plays, plays two games, scores 70 in each, but then gets dropped. So guys with job security, especially at this sort of cash generation area, are going to be super vital to us. And yeah, maybe they don't increase in cash as quickly as we'd like, or maybe they don't increase to the levels we'd like to. But I think just having scoring points on the field, I say this a lot, is super important. Just having guys scoring singles, um, rotating the strike, it's important. And the word out of Adelaide is Josh Rochelle is a little bit of a ballistic missile and he needs to learn where to hone his powers because apparently he's very powerful, but he just doesn't know how to use his power just yet. So it feels like they've got an X-Men or a ballistic missile or something that the army might want to use it in the future just down there, um, down, down there at West Lakes. I'm excited for that. I want to see him. He he reminds me. I think he's. I think he's upside. Remember, we they had um, Rowe last year. Was it? What's his name? James Rowe. James Rowe. Um, who? Where's, where's he gone? <laughs> well, he's came in and he scored like a twenty and then like a one twenty or whatever it was, and he was exciting to own. And some people jumped off too early. I think Rochelle's gonna be like that, but maybe a bit more, a bit of a higher floor. Uh, moving down the list, Charlie Parker at the Bulldogs. Not much has been said about the Bulldogs, and I was reading something the other day that said the Bulldogs actually haven't been open to the media much this preseason. I'm shocked. Bevo, not liking the media. Yeah, I, I assume it could be something to do with not wanting to let COVID potentially in, but, I mean, COVID's going to get in eventually and disrupt things, but I, I, I would understand if that's the reason why they're keeping people out. Um, but Charlie Parker's mature age, you don't bring in a mature age player to, for them to develop in the VFL, as you say, Lek. And um, so I think he's a very good option, 102K. Uh, Sam Skinner, apparently not all that impressive at Port at this preseason and is probably fighting for a spot out of Tom Cleary and Trent McKenzie. Yeah, he's in a three-horse race, and I think he's, you know, obviously last man in, first man out philosophy often works, and I think in this case... Yeah, he might be a victim of just needing to put the runs on the board in the sandfall again. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he lines up round one at this stage. Sam DeConing, um, he he may line up, but he's probably only good for about 20 points. So if you want a slow burn because he's literally the only thing available, then maybe he might work out. But I think if you can, try and avoid him. Okay. Sorry, uh, just, Charlie. I'm Charlie, just, uh, I'm just in entranced watching Patch. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It feels like every time we talk, he just moves around like he's playing <laughs> musical chairs in his own backyard. Uh, Charlie Combin, um, he's a ruck forward. Some people have him on their ruck bench because he. It sounds like he's definitely going to play, and that's part of, and that's a really good thing to have for your ruck bench. But we're, but we're talking about the forward line. Um. He's not going to score all that much. No. no. Key forward playing for North. Good luck, buddy. Good luck. Charlie Kerner, is he? Yeah, let's talk about Charlie Kerner. He sort of falls into the rookie price thing. He's owned by 26.5% of teams. I feel like that percentage has gone down. I think I think it has, which I'm surprised. Look, I mean, you read all the reports. He's flying. He's jumping out of his skin, whatever. 
Look, this is a guy that at 220k, essentially rookie priced, essentially Jason Horn, Francis priced. What do we need from him? We probably want him to average, uh, I don't know, 70 plus? And he's going to be a decent little cash cow stepping stone. He has done that in the past, 74 and then 78. In, he averaged 78 in 2018. We basically haven't seen him since 2018. Who knows what we're going to get? If he plays, I think he's a pretty safe bet to make you some cash and stepping stone. And once again, I'd rather I think I'd rather have a slightly healthy Charlie Kerno on my field than a fully healthy Charlie Parker. And 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 Lech, uh, there was talk about him a few years ago potentially running through the midfield. That's out of the, that's out the window now, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think that's something. I mean, they might talk about it. He might push up the ground a bit more. I know at the the brief periods we've seen him and Harry at their peak powers, they do like to push up the ground and and switch who's playing deep. But I don't imagine that that's got nothing to do with playing the midfield. He's a forward now, at least uh, for the foreseeable future. You know who I do rather in the forward line at that price point if you want to pay twenty five k more, Connor West at West Coast, um, two hundred and fifty k pretty much bang on has been, you know, he's listed as a forward only, has been training as a pure midfielder. The Eagles have a couple of holes there that, you know, Greg Clark was obviously going to fill before, you know, he did his shoulder and is out for, for eight to 10 weeks. Uh, Connor West apparently doing very, very well and apparently will be playing as a midfielder, um, which, you know, for a 250k forward, kind of excites me more than Charlie Kerno sitting potentially at full forward for the Blues and getting it bombed on his head and then triple teamed and then left in the dust as they run it out over the back line. Only in 108 teams. Apparently was one of the standouts at the West Coast Intra-Club the Ooh. other night, but apparently that Intra-Club wasn't of high, a highly, it wasn't a highly skilled match. Um, but yeah, I want to give a, a shout out, by the way, on the Connor West piece. There's a guy or a person on Twitter called the Supercoach Pod. Their handle is at Pod P O D Supercoach. Also got a YouTube channel with 173 subscribers. The Supercoach Pod on YouTube did a uh, young stars ready to break out in the Ford Line video this week, and one of those who was listed at the end was was Connor West, who oh, he didn't have obviously enough data on to model out, but highlighted him like you have patch as a potentially very nice little option i'm yeah obviously need to watch him in the preseason and, and see how all that goes but i am very much looking at at sliding him gnigliog bailey williams depending on how he goes in the preseason um gosh there's a lot of mid prices i want to pick and the fact that there are no primos i want to pick and very few rookies is a dangerous game dangerous game should we go up in price a little bit um, and talk about Cam Rayner and Jade Gresham. Look, I I had Cam Rayner in my team for a had. period of time. I don't have him anymore, but that doesn't mean he's that that, that doesn't mean he won't reappear. There... I'm I'm tinkering with my team and trying to get it to a point where, to be honest, my team has has chopped and changed so much in these last couple of weeks that. I even went. I even stopped looking at it for for a couple of days just to try and see how it looked when I went back to it because I felt like I was fiddling it, so, fiddling with it so much that nothing looked good. 
Like yeah. no, oh, it's like, that bloody. It's that time of year where it's just it's intra clubs. Everyone's playing well. Everyone's got a new role. It's just there's too much information to process. Yeah. So there's ever a chance that Cam Rayner comes back into my team, but mm-hmm. at the moment he isn't there. They're they're talking about him as a you know basically a full time midfielder who rests forward. He's pretty powerful. Number one draft pick. Um, you know, very very good with ball in hand. Um, you know, can tackle, can do you know, basically the whole lot. And at 278K presents a lot of value um, considering, you know, they've come out this week and said, you know, we've got genuine superstars in, in Neil and Lyons. I'm going to give them, you know, a back step to give Bailey and Rayner a run through the middle. What's the reason that you, you're not as comfortable on him? Is it that injury risk or you just don't think, you think he'll take a bit of time to work? I I never said I wasn't comfortable with him. I just said he's not in my current iteration of my team. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Sorry. I thought there was some reason that, you know, no, 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 you'd lower others up. Is is one of those players that ideally want to fit in. It's just a matter of finding a way how. Yeah, and Jade Gresham Leck is um, by all counts doing very very well and hasn't really missed a session up at the Saints. Um, Craig marked him as one to watch in his pocket profile for the St Kilda Footy Club. What are your thoughts on the Gresh Prince of Bel Air? <laughs> yeah, I wrote about him in a top five players returning from injury article. Item at number three, look, I am worried that this one might be a burn. He might be the guy that just perennially is going to break out but never does. But the whole thing is he's going to average 80. It's just how many games are we going to get out of him? And maybe he averages more than 80. But I think 80 is probably where his floor lies if he is getting the midfield minutes that we think he will. 80 is great for someone who's essentially 300 grand in the forward line. He'll be on field over a rookie. I want to get keep as many rookies off the field as I can. If he can average 80 for us, he's potentially a keeper, but he's probably a stepping stone. And and yeah, like he he's averaged close to 80, or he's definitely been able to score above 80. Um, he, career average over the last four years is 78.3, and he's done that essentially as a forward forward uh, for the for the Saints. So give him some midfield time, give him some more opportunity. Surely he can lift that up slightly. I really like him as a selection. He Obviously, has a, there's risk. He has a really, really high ceiling, but also a very, very low floor. And people keep talking about a stretch of games in in a past season, but every player has a purple patch. That's true. I mean, I mean, yeah, you can talk them. about some of them are just bad. Some players are just bad. But I mean, you you can you can probably pinpoint a patch of games for lots of players and pick them on them on the back of that. But if that 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 potential that people saw was like three years ago now. It's true. It's true. He he played uh, in twenty twenty. He which is a while ago now. He had a couple of nine or a few nineties and a few tons. He he got injured. Came back in twenty twenty one. Scored an eighty-two and a and a one hundred and four um, before getting injured again. Scored a twenty in, in that third game, so he definitely can score. I I think the only hindrance, I don't think uh, his ability is in question. I think the only time his these purple patches stop is when he gets a bloody season ending ending injury, which he's which he does all the time. So you're gambling against his health here. And he is one mid-pricer who hasn't been anywhere near my team 
Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I, the fact that, you know, some people will just decide, no, I, I'm not going there. There are plenty of other options. Don't really hate it too much at all that, you know, people will just say, no, not, not keen. There's one mid-pricer we haven't talked about yet. Well, he's, yeah. he's probably yeah, rookie-priced. He's, he's, he's the same... He's the same price as Charlie Kerner. His name is Will Brody. Lots of people thought he was going to fill the gap that Adam Chera left behind at the Dockers. Well, I don't think he makes their round one team. Uh, I think he does, but as the sub. I'm going to say he doesn't make the team because the subs don't have to be activated. True. Yep, fair, fair. But um, no, I think you're right. Um, do you think we see him much at all? Does he, you know, if there's, say say, you know, David Mundy catches something because he's old. Um, I think... Do you think then there's that scope for him to, us to look at him later in the season? I think there's probably a few players he's probably fighting for the same position with. Um, it feels like Darcy Tucker is going to be the one that rolls through that midfield as first first dibs on that midfield spot that Adam Chera has left behind. Um so the shuffling will be Tucker goes into the midfield from the back line and then Jordan Clark takes his spot in defense. But um, I think if Darcy Tucker isn't working out in the midfield, then there's going to be some shuffling and Will Brody perhaps comes in. But there's also Neil Erasmus, which is which has had a really good preseason. And, um, and Nathan O'Driscoll, I wouldn't be surprised if he is also there in round one. Yeah, Brody's not someone I've I've actually looked at at all in my team. I, I yeah, there's some cases where I think moving clubs is really helpful for Super Coach, but in this instance, I just I just yeah. have never seen it. Yeah, we've um we spent a lot of time on the forward line because it is a a, a hot mess. Um, should we very, flip to the defense because we've already talked about a lot of defense eligible players? We should just very quickly. There are a couple of players that I'm keeping an eye on. I'm not going to go into detail about them because we'll be here all night. Tom Powell, I'm really interested by, and how much of a mid rotation you know we see him getting in the preseason um, intrigues me. Jed Anderson is in the same boat for North as well, um, and then Jack Gunston um, could well be a very good especially in drafts coming back from that injury last year. And I'll tack on on the end of there. Um, lots of people talking about Liam Henry. I wouldn't go near him. Yeah, like anyone else before we uh, we swing back? Like the no, what I are. just need is some rookies to appear so I don't have to have seven players who are priced at about 200,000 in my team. Actually, Do that's it. an understatement. Nine Do players. Do it. I mean, I, you could justify all of these selections, right? You can, you can justify Jade Gresham. You're, you're gambling against his health. You can justify Cam Rayner. He's got the midfield role. You can justify Stephen Ganiglio. He's done it before. Charlie Kerno, he's questionable, I'll admit. Rochelle, he's going to play. Like, And then I look at my team, and I know when I post this team onto Twitter later on, people are going to say, you've only got 10 keepers. This is an awful team. What are you doing? But... The value, there's so much value to be had. I want all the value. Give me the value. Anyway, we right can ahead. move on to our defense, I think. Okay, let's, so let's move let's to defense. Um, we've already talked about some defensive eligible rookies, but um, so let's talk about the primos that are in defense. Uh, Patch, do you want to start us? I do. I do. Um, God, there are a lot of them, and God, a lot of them make me feel very safe compared to that very nasty forward line that we don't talk about. Um, Jake Lloyd is towards the top of the list, just kind of safe, reliable, done it before. You know what you're going to get from him. 
um, you know, in that vein, you've got Daniel Rich, you've got Jack Crisp, Jordan Dawson, Dyson Heppel, who we've spoken about a fair bit on previous podcasts, Jordan Ridley, Jaden Short, um, Harris Andrews, if your name is Baron Von Crow, Lockie Whitfield is 500k, Braded Maynard is set for more midfield time. You know, Shannon Hearn is underpriced for what he's done before, but he's also very injured. You know, Stephen May, a very solid option. You, there's a lot of just guys I don't think you can go too wrong with. There's, you know, Tom Stewart's, you know, injury, um, so injury pending, Jack Zebel, role pending, Aaron Hall, hamstring pending, are about the only guys I've got question marks over at this there's... stage. There's not a lot of ways you can go wrong with your premiums in defense. It's just a matter of making sure that you're comfortable with who you're selecting. And I said I didn't want to start with Jake Lloyd, but that doesn't mean I won't be looking for him later in the season. I just think he's too expensive at his current price. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Owned by 45% of teams. He's got the runs on the board. People are probably just going to set and forget and not worry about the price drop, but... I mean, part of the game of Supercoach is to pick the players that are going to gain cash to build the value of your team because you obviously want to you, you want to have one of the richest teams. You want to build your team up to be able to get all the players that you want in. And Jake Lloyd probably eats a little bit more cash than he should. He does, well, but he, he also, the year before last, he averaged 122 over 17 games in Corona Ball. So now you can argue there's, there's more emphasis on on the possessions he did get because it was shortened quarters, but also he could well still be underpriced. Well, here's the irony though. So I've got a thousand mid prices and cheapies in my team and I've got the cash, but I still don't want to spend the money on Jake Lloyd. I'm maybe I'm just too stingy because I've saved all this money so I can maximize my premiums, premium premiums. But all I want to do is buy 600 K plus midfielders and nothing else. And I don't want Jake Lloyd at 586 K and I almost, really, really almost want Dawson, but he's $300 too expensive because 550k is the cap for someone I'm paying defense. So what I'm looking still at value prospects, propositions, and I think Jaden Short's one of those at 535k. It's basically, I don't think he's going to be any worse than he was last year. And I've got J- James uh, Sisley. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do with my money. <laughs> I mean, the best thing about Jaden Short is there's no Basher Hawley to to contend with anymore. Well, it takes that out of the discussion at least because I would still argue a thousand times with people that it didn't matter if Basher Hawley was in the team. Now I don't have to argue that. Average 98.3 last year, played all 22 games, 2,163 total points. He was the 33rd ranked player in Supercoach. And he's essentially, I mean, he's $16,000 more expensive. So... We asked it in the in the, in in the last podcast. Sorry, I'm moving on to a different player because he's just scrolled up on my screen here. Why is Caleb Daniel only in eight percent of teams? Because he scored 17 points against the Brisbane Lions at Mars Stadium last year, and we do not forgive and we do not forget. We should, a, but we don't. It's an interesting one because prior to recording this episode, he was locked into my defence. And I've just moved him out for Jaden Short because I think they're essentially the same player, but I don't have ill feelings towards Jaden Short like I do Caleb Daniel. <laughs> Both in a similar amount of teams as well. Uh, Jaden Short in 10.2% and Caleb Daniel in a, in a flat 8%. 
well, there you go. Um, but I think part of it is also just that, as we've spoken about, there are so many options and so many of them seem good at face value. And they can't all be top eight defenders, but you can make the argument. And it's not a difficult argument to make that you know most of these guys, like most of these top 20 guys, could make that leap. Yeah, I think defense, defense is interesting this year. I think there's heaps of premium options, a couple of mid-prices, and very little rookie-priced players. Well, so, but I don't want to get stuck where I'm locking in, you know, four or five of my defensive premiums at the start of the year and not giving myself flexibility later on. One thing that I'm just going to read out now, Mardo has tweeted out, Mardo's been doing some great articles for us on the website. Go and check them out. Um, every one of the top 24 players by average effective kicks per game in 2021 is defensive eligible in 2022. Wow. Can you explain that to the audience like they're five, please? So kick-ins, chipping the ball around, playmaking, these are all his hashtags, seagulling, basically means when these players kick the ball, they will more than likely hit their target. So all of the guys who um, seagull it up and and Jaden shorted at the end of games are defense eligible. Correct. So how do you pick... How do you pick the right ones? I think, just like we said before, I think you just have to be comfortable with who you select. It just doesn't doesn't necessarily matter all that much. Well, yeah, I guess that's that's a good point. Like, if the difference between the guy who's ranked eighth in defense this year and the guy who's ranked sixteen in defense this year is a hundred points, it really doesn't matter. Um, but you don't want to be stuck picking five or four or five premiums to start the year and having having them all fall to hell. Well, I mean, rookies are going to help that. So hopefully we get some rookies and I suppose we can talk about some now. Josh Sin at Port Adelaide. He seems like one of the more likely rookies that are going to, that's going to be there in round one. He might be the only one who's going to be there in round one. Maybe it, uh, yeah, he's been playing kind of on a wing. Um, and across halfback for Port and the flag that he will have that halfback role and Port are really good at playing the rookies and giving them, you know, a lot of responsibility and we love to see it. Thank you, Ken Hinckley. Should be there. And if he is, he will be picked and probably on field for me. And we're and the highest owned rookie is Will Kelly. We've already discussed him. Collingwood fans don't think he's gonna be there. The yep. next highest owned rookie is Charlie Dean. Lock him in. No Jeremy Howe, no Jordan Ruffhead, possibly to start the season. The spot, the spot's his, essentially. He just needs to do well in it, really. There's, yeah, I've got a little bit of concern that if Ruffhead comes back round six and slides straight in, that's only three price rises. Three, four? It's only a couple of price rises we get out of him, but um, we'll see. Well, yeah, we can only take the ones that are in front of us and... I mean, unless you believe in Will Gould, I'd <laughs> Charlie Dean starting in my team. Uh, we've already talked about Sam Skinner and Sam DeConing. Patches, Garrett McDonough going to play? Nope. I, here's one, guys, I wanted to flag, by the way. I let it slide by. I actually saw it in the response to Mato's tweet, and it reminded me, uh, Mike, at the game... Mike underscore TGSC said, hello, Weller 2022. 
Lockie Weller, who plays for the Gold Coast Suns, is a forward mid eligible player at four hundred thousand dollars. But he they've flagged him as taking kickouts and playing essentially as a seagull in defense. Is he someone that you've A considered and B have any interest in? I'm so surprised he is not in more teams. He's in zero percent of teams, Damo. Yeah, I mean I'm surprised he's not in more teams, but I've looked at him. I've wanted to select him. And I know the and I know we keep saying that there's no one in the forward line that makes sense to pick. But I feel like he makes less sense for some reason. <laughs> I would I would rather pay $200 less for someone who could potentially average 80 than pick someone at 440k who's going to average 80. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Also very funny is that he's mid like he's mid forward, so he can't pick up defense eligibility. Which is the downside. But you know, if we're looking at roles and maybe like how, what a meme is it if he scores like Jack Zebel does did last year and in defense, but we can only pick him in the forward and midfield. Like I really want that to happen. I really, really want that to happen. It would be very funny and very, very good value. Other rookies, uh, Bodie Euland, he did not play in the Gold Coast Suns intra-club match, despite being fit. So he was a healthy scratching. We don't mm. we don't like that. That's we don't good. like that. That's not and good. And with Greg Clark going down at West Coast, Campbell Chesser is probably the best rookie chance at the Eagles. Yep. Um, so is he going to score much? If 148k, what, what's what's his game style? He's sort of like a winger, half back, and roll through the midfield. Pretty much the same as Josh Sin. Yeah, okay. Well, that's one to look for for round one. He's yeah, now no, on my um, team on the bench. Brody Kemp was playing forward for the Blues for some Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm really interested. To be fair, um, Mackay got hurt, and you know, I'm pretty sure. I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure Oscar McDonald and, all, and Mitch McGovern were being played in defense. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was the case. So they didn't really have anyone. He, I think maybe they turned him into like an Adam Tomlinson, which is like in that he's a utility who can essentially play anywhere. But he is a guy that, Ugh. you know, no, when they drafted him, you. he was going to be the next Paddy Cripps, right? He was going to mm, be a big was... lumbering midfielder. But also he was, you know, in his two draft years, his underage year and his senior year, he was centre-half back and centre-half forward in the team of the year, whether that was for just Victoria or, like, nationally. But he was – I'm pretty sure it was the, the national side. Um, so he's – yeah, I think he might have the the, the Westhoff curse of being too versatile to get one role, uh, which really concerns me from a super coach point of view. Great for the Blues because he could play anywhere, but – you know, after the injury, you might have the tank to play in the midfield. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't fill me with confidence if he's running out of full forward at 157k. No, and he he's come out of my side. I did have him on the bench. He's come out of my side now. But you know, we'll, we'll watch him. We'll watch him. I, it sounds like that that you know, I was pretty convinced he was going to have that third tall option. They're trialing like three or four guys as play on players right now who essentially only play that role. So. Maybe they are thinking that this, that Brody Camp is a utility, and 
that probably does mean his super coach relevance is very low. Yeah, it's not great. Not great. Um, Isaiah Wanganin Malera, don't know if he plays as flag that it's probably less likely than it is likely. Brett, Paddy McCartan, we don't know. Sorry, Dave, Brett, uh, Brett Ratton was saying that he believes that Nazaya will get a chance during the year at some point, but it didn't sound like we would get him in round one. Yeah, don't love that. Don't love that. It's um, yeah, it is slim pickings. You, we spoke very briefly about Josh uh, Mitchell Hinge potentially lining up on a wing for the Crows at 180k in defence, but that's not a fun price point. That's not a fun price time. point. But uh, talking to Baron, who is the authority on all things Adelaide Crows, uh, he may get in because Matthew Nix is a big fan, but. There's about eight players contesting for the same position, and he doesn't think that Mitch Hinge is at the top of the queue. Is at the front of the queue? No, it uh, doesn't sound likely. So we'd almost yeah look like we're pushing further and further up um, into that mid-price territory, which I feel like for a long time this preseason I would stayed away from that completely in the back line, um, and then kind of looking at it, we you know didn't really talk about Kadeem Coleman. I, we mentioned him in the forward line, but didn't really discuss him. He's a real chance to fill up that. Grant Birchall role, despite Dane Zorko going back this year, is there scope for him to be a you know a seventy five eighty um, averaging player at two hundred and sixty k? Are either of you interested? He's currently in my side, but my side is also hot garbage. <laughs> well, by the sounds of it, in the Brisbane Intra Club, he got about forty disposals. If if you ask the people that watched, so I'm assuming that he's going to be a good selection. He, but like Cornelio, he only needs to average above 75 to make 150 50K and be worth it. Yeah, defense forward swing as well, which is nice. But Damo, there's someone I think you might be a bit more keen on who is 12K more expensive in Heath Chapman. Heath Chapman. I think Heath Chapman is this year's CJ Jath. I think he could potentially end the season with an 85 average, pump out some tons, have some stinkers along the way, but he's come back from his shoulder injury. His running capacity has gone up. He's intercepting everything. Ryan Daniels reckons that he hasn't lost a one-on-one a one-on-one contest this preseason. Is hasn't been beaten in the hasn't been beaten in the air, intercepting everything in the intra clubs. I feel like he's just gonna have a second year breakout. I'm on board. He's currently in my side. We've got Some, a- <laughs> someone else to consider that we haven't talked about is also Wayne Malera, but like Jay Gresham, you're you're banking on him being healthy for for most of the year. Someone on the in the comments on our website, jockreynolds.com.au, actually convinced me, keen but clueless, convinced me uh, to put in Wayne Malera after my article. Um, basically sees him as a a quick 150K stepping stone. Um, if his body gets right, he's potentially a keeper, but it's unlikely. Um, a bit of a known quantity, more so than these other guys, despite how continuously injured he is just just convinced me and i put him in i don't feel comfortable with him in as i said i've got 17 200k players and to the 10 percent of people with will day in their team i like your thinking but he's injured yeah he's not going to be playing early um which is very disappointing 
before as we i'm sure start have to wrap up um I want to know why Lockie Whitfield is not in any of our three teams. I believe he's not in any of our teams. Correct. I've got a, uh, two words, not really nerds. They're more pro- proper nouns. Uh, Leon Cameron. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is, that's fair. And Daniel Rich, why is he only in 6% of teams, the greatest player of all time in the history of the AFL? Well, that's because... Um, you know why you've, it is. That, that, that's because you've made 4,222 teams and you've selected him at D1 and every single one of those teams. <laughs> uh, no, I, love. I think, I think um, the reason he's not getting picked in as many teams is his age, but also they're worried that Kitty and Coleman will restrict his output. It's, um, I feel like it's more a case of, you know, like when you fired up the old Age of Empires game way back in the day, and then you kind of got a little bit bored, like 20 minutes in, and you're like, nah, let's go. Let's just type in, like, the cheat code, Big Daddy. You get that car with the cannon in it, mm-hmm. and then you go around, and within three minutes, you shoot everyone to death. Yes. It's a, Daniel Rich is that car. He is the Big Daddy. He's the cheat code. And picking Daniel Rich just makes it not fun. Because it's a gentleman's agreement to not pick Daniel Rich. Remember, remember that time we spoke about Liam Jones being unfair? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. It's just Dan, you can't pick Daniel Rich, and then also there's the curse that if one of us selects Daniel Rich, he falls apart like mouldy clay. And we can't do that to him. We can't. And Lekdog, he's also 582k, so he's 30k above your threshold. Oh yeah, I can't pick him. He's against my rules, but everyone else should do as I say, not as I do. I think he's in Clarkie's team. Wasn't Daniel Rioli going to be the next biggest thing as well? What happened to that hype train? Uh, apparently he is useless in the Tigers intra club match the other day. Josh Gibkiss though, he's a defensive rookie, 171k, who did a lot of good things, but he's key defending. He's a key defender rookie, and uh, we like to avoid them. Although mm. I feel like he's light framed enough that they can't play him as a fullback, so they have to play him as that third tall, which potentially more scoring. And there was talk of him like running up onto a wing, but like who knows at this stage? But I think. If he's named, he's one we can certainly look at. And Damo, you've spoken about a lot about Nathan O'Driscoll as well, who you reckon will line up in round one. And if he does, slot him in, slide him right in. Yeah, but I think Nathan O'Driscoll will force his way in. Attended every centre bounce at the Dockers Intra Club the other day. Yeah, there are a few missing, but I, I think there's still a lot of scope there for him to be. Josh pretty... Carr is a big fan. Mm, so am I. All right, Damo, wrap this one up for us, I reckon. All right, that's part one. We looked at the defense and the forward line for your 2022 Supercoach teams. We will come back with a part two where we look at the midfield and the ruck line, um, hopefully within the next week. And um, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Go Blues. Catch your community.